This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We're going to talk to some old friends today and some new old friends, which will be obvious when we do the talking. But uh, that'll be in our second segment today. Uh, I do want to Cite Christina Borgeson as somebody you want to hear from. We've had Christina on the show before in conjunction with her two uh, excellent books, Into the Buzzsaw and Feet to the Fire. If you want to understand the media in this country, uh, I think these are two must-reads. And Christina has uh, some more projects uh, in the works, which she will tell us about in segment two. And for the new old friend thing, uh, I'm going to leave that a surprise. That's also in our second segment. Let us begin today's show, as we like to do, with On This Date in History, the date in question being the 10th of March. On March 10th in 1496, Christopher Columbus set sail for Spain. This was at the conclusion of his second voyage. When he got back, he declared that Cuba was, in fact, Cathay, hoping to gain support for a third voyage of conquest. He did make uh, four voyages, as I recall, but the second one was the big show. And although Cuba was not, in fact, Cathay, it did introduce cigars to the world. The highly addicting drug, tobacco, became a sensation in Europe, and then after that, the the entire world. March 10th, 1902, in the case of Edison versus American Mutoscope Company, a U.S. Court of Appeals ruled that despite his claims, Thomas Edison did not, in fact, invent the movie camera. Speaking of movies, March 10, 1918, Warner Brothers released its first film, Four Years in Germany. The company failed to become a major player in the cinema world until 1927 when it released The Jazz Singer, the first feature film with sound. Of course, Warner Brothers would go on to produce all those great cartoons. Our quote of the day comes from Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, who said about the Al Jazeera network, like it or hate it, it is really effective. In fact, viewership of Al Jazeera is going up in the United States because it is real news. You may not agree with it, but you feel like you're getting real news around the clock instead of a million commercials. And you know, arguments between talking heads and the kind of stuff that we do in our news that is not providing information to us let alone foreigners. According to the New York Times, uh, Al Jazeera's television viewership, in fact, has not gone up much in the U.S. because it's not widely available. It's seen only on scattered cable systems in Vermont, Ohio, and Washington, D.C. And I'm somewhat chagrined to note that I've never seen Al Jazeera, although uh, we have uh, reported on some of the things that they've been covering in their, uh, their coverage of events. And, um, you know, by all accounts, they are doing a very thorough job. Sure, you've noticed, dear listener, that uh, we have two wars going on right now in Iraq and Afghanistan. And how much of that fighting and how much of that activity do you see covered in our news media? You know, some of you may have forgotten. Yeah, there, there still is a war going on in Iraq. You might be forgiven for having uh, forgotten that fact. Uh, you know, by the amount of coverage it seems to get. I do want to note that I've heard from multiple uh, uh, people 
whom I respect, that the coverage that you get on Al Jazeera of things like what's going on in Egypt and Libya and Tunisia is just uh, light years ahead of what, uh, what you see here in America. We have two quips of the day. The first from the immortal Herb Cain, who said, I tend to live in the past because most of my life is there, which I sort of like. And uh, the Montreal Gazette quoted someone called Colette, whom I'm not familiar with, as saying, You will do foolish things, but do them with enthusiasm. Which, frankly, I like even more. It is, by the way, advice I have followed, (laughs) at least on uh, more than a few occasions. I can vouch for that. Your input on this uh, may not be required, Mr. McMillan. All right, our jokes of the day come from Jay Leno. These are kind of old. They refer to uh, a few months back when Chinese President Hu Jintao went to the White House. Said Jay Leno, uh, President Hu and uh, President Obama were going to exchange gifts from the two countries, but unfortunately everything in our country is now made in their country, so they couldn't do any exchanging. (laughs) He added, there was one very awkward moment when Hu met the Obama daughters and asked, so which factory do you work in? Our stat of the day is that by a 60% to 33% margin, Americans oppose current efforts to weaken the collective bargaining rights of public employee unions. 56% oppose cutting the pay or benefits of public employees in order to reduce state budget deficits, compared with 37% who favor the ideas, according to the New York Times, CBS News. Chris said Jerry Brown is now negotiating with some of uh, California's uh, public unions in the wake of a huge deficit. It's interesting that... uh, when he had a radio show some time back, Brown called our prison system in California a racket that pumped profits into the poor's misfortunes and into the pockets of prison guards. Said Brown in an excerpt from late 1995, the big lockup is about drugs. Here's the real scam. The drug war is one of the games to get more convictions and prisoners. What I like about Jerry Brown is that when he's out of office or, or desperate when he is running for something, he, he sometimes starts telling it like it is. I got to say, uh, among those those uh, public employees, I assume that we're going to be negotiating with in California are the defense attorneys, public defenders, you guys racking up big bills right now in the Philip Garrido and wife case, trying to get Garrido's mental state better evaluated. I guess if we can find the DSM four, he has a schizoaffective disorder. This will shed some light on his uh, keeping J.C. Dugard captive for twenty years. Well, let's not go there today. Actually, we have a bonus statistic we should talk about. According to Fitness Magazine, 51% of 2,400 women surveyed said they'd give up sex for a year if it meant they'd be skinny, which meant sex came in considerably ahead of skipping meals. 43% said they would, they would skip meals regularly to lose weight. 39% said they've taken diet pills, and 20% exercised daily for two or more hours at a time. I don't know, on behalf of the, the men of America, I find will, women's willingness to give up sex for a year to be skinny to be somewhat disturbing. All right, let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I must note that uh, the preponderance of these items do come from the Week magazine, as do all of them on today's show. 
According to the magazine, it was a good week this week for snarling at your co-workers after a Michigan State University study found that employees who force a smile to please clients or colleagues actually worsen their own moods. It was, on the other hand, a bad week for the free market after police charged a pizzeria owner in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania with planting mice in two rival pizza shops. Said police superintendent Michael Chitwood, we have never had anything like this where mice have been used as an instrument of crime. This is food terrorism by mice. I must say, if someone used to have mice as pets, I'm intrigued by this story. If they used mice from the pet store, they weren't going to do very well in the pizzeria. If you want to infest a place, you got to use wild mice. Clearly more research is needed, both by the pizzeria owner and, and us. And it was kind of an ugly week last week for Joan Collins, who was rushed to the hospital after the Academy Awards when her skin-tight purple gown left her unable to breathe. Said Collins, age 77, I made the wrong decision to wear a very tight dress and had something rather like a Victorian swoon. And finally, it was kind of a good and bad week, I guess, uh, last week for citizens, given the news that U.S. Representative Rush Holt of New Jersey beat the IBM computer Watson in a Jeopardy-style contest between the machine and several members of Congress. Holt, 62, holds a doctorate in physics and was a five-time champion on the TV show 35 years ago. I guess this story's good to note that, uh, you know, we apparently have some first-class brain power, at least in some parts of Congress. I guess the bad news is, instead of tackling the problems of the day, members of Congress are playing Jeopardy! And we would note, in keeping with our previous coverage in this program about uh, the GOP's uh, efforts to derail science in this country, that, in fact, Rush Holt is a Democrat. And according to the Wikipedia site, he is currently the only Quaker in Congress. All right, under the, uh, the Week magazine's Only in America file, we have the following item. Apparently, a New Jersey TV station that broadcast the wrong lottery numbers is being sued by a local woman for $75,000. Apparently, Raquel, Danielle's attorney, claims she was, quote, severely damaged, unquote, by the disappointment of learning that she had not, in fact, won $250,000 in the lottery and that WABC's mistakes were, quote, beyond all possible bounds of decency and were atrocious and utterly intolerable in a civilized community, unquote. I think it's clear, ladies and gentlemen, that we have too many lawyers in this country. I would hasten to add that that opinion, like all those heard on this program, do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regions of the University of California. Boy, we're just going to continue to quote from the magazine this week. The U.S. Interior Department has issued the first clearance to resume deep water oil drilling in the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, what could go wrong? As you may recall, BP's Deepwater Horizon rig exploded last April and crude oil spilled from the damaged well into the Gulf until last August. This prompted the White House to suspend indefinitely nearly all drilling activity in U.S. waters at a depth of more than 5,000 feet. That moratorium was lifted in October. 
This approval granted to Houston's Noble Energy permits the company to resume work on a well drilled 6,500 feet below the sea surface off the Louisiana coast. And the Interior Department plans to issue yet more permits in the coming weeks. Mr. Mullen, we need to bring back the Jackass of the Week section on this program, I think. Let's do it. Jackass of the Week, the U.S. Department of the Interior. We're somewhat delighted to note on the cover of this week's Sacramento News and Review, a picture of UC Davis professor and butterfly expert Arthur Shapiro, who we've had on this program. Dr. Shapiro has amassed quite an extensive database on butterfly populations, and uh, the data that's emerged from his studies uh, has some disturbing aspects. Notes the article by Hugh Bigar. As the information in butterfly counts piled up over three decades, it became increasingly clear, in fact, could not be ignored, that things were changing and changing incredibly fast. There's, in fact, apparently been a shocking decline in butterfly populations over the past three decades. And uh, man-made changes of the environment are certainly uh, uh, at the forefront of this, but um, the bigger picture... The issue of climate change playing a role, uh, well, seems to be. We'll have to bring Dr. Shapiro on this program to talk more about this. Uh, I certainly remember as a boy, many decades ago, seeing a lot more butterflies than, uh, than we do now. At least that was my subjective impression. Of course, we have to say a few words about what is uh, one of the, the hot local stories of the past uh, couple years, which may be <laughs> boring our listeners to tears, uh, uh, who live in other areas, this issue of the Sacramento Kings. As we frame it on this program, a bunch of billionaire casino owners from Las Vegas miffed at the fact that local taxpayers won't build them and give them an arena are now saying they're going to take their team to Anaheim. Now, in fairness, we've not heard from the other side on this directly, so we've now arranged to put the question to a representative of the Maloof family. Uh, sir, how would you express uh, Joe and Gavin Maloof's uh, current feelings about this situation? And you know, to that, we say... We're happy to help them pack. I suspect that some of our tirades were irritating uh, some people that are friends of ours. Note that in the current News and Review, uh, Rachel LeBrock was kind enough to write about this program uh, last year in the magazine, referred to the haters on the issue of the Kings. Said Rachel, These are people who don't just like the Kings, but also think that any sort of a discussion about caring whether or not the team leaves Northern California is not just silly, but unsophisticated. And downright stupid. They roll their eyes, shrug, and act as though by caring, you're the uncoolest of uncool. A hillbilly Philistine. A monster truck-driving yokel with no taste or appreciation for the arts or other worthy endeavors. Said Rachel, I don't regularly attend orchestra performances, but I'm not so myopic as to believe just because the Sacramento Philharmonic Orchestra is not a part of my personal life, that organization isn't a valued part 
of this town's identity. All right, Rachel, we're with you on that. But we do intend to take a stand against the owners of the Sacramento Philharmonic Orchestra if they demand a new arena, especially at taxpayers' expense. All right, speaking of provocative opinions, uh, we, we know we can count on our old pal Will Durst for a few of those. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few encouraging words for our freedom-loving brothers in the Middle East. Both of them. No, I'm kidding. The peasants are revolting, but we knew that. Again, that's me, with the kidding. Congratulations to everybody in Egypt and Yemen and Tunisia and Libya and Iran and Bahrain and Morocco and Algeria for standing up to your dictatorial overlords and making independence fashionable again. Democracy is the new black. Welcome, my friends, to the 19th century. You'll also be excited by other upgrades we made, such as in transportation and personal hygiene. I warn you, though, democracy has a sharp learning curve. Tough on beginners. You might want to spend some time practicing with your feudal water wings before jumping into the deep end of the liberty pool. And here's another thing. Democracy for one means democracy for all. It's a take-it-or-leave-it situation. No more of this women walking five paces behind the men dressed as grieving beekeeper stuff. Same with Sunnis and Shiites. One person, one vote. Hey, we all put our robes on one leg at a time. Or two. Whatever. Here's a suggestion. Start small. Too many choices can freeze you into inaction. An example, sometimes you just want a package of sunflower seeds. You don't want the low-sodium dill pickle flavor, but Safeway's all out of original flavor because they allotted too much shelf space to the low-sodium dill pickle flavor, which nobody wants. But they can have it if they want it, but they don't. Well, liberty is a lot like that. So there you are. Good luck with the whole democracy thing. Please try to keep it operational. Remember to downshift when headed uphill and it tends to veer to the left on the straightaways. And don't screw it up too much because who knows, someday we here in America may want to give it another shot ourselves. (laughs) For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. And by the way, Will Durst will be coming back to the area on the 22nd of April to celebrate the Humor Times 20th anniversary issue. Publisher James Israel will be teaming up with Access Sacramento, a fine organization where Mr. Merlin and I learned how to do radio. This will be held at the Coloma Community Center at 46th and T. And uh, by the way, this, this event uh, is not on picnic day. It's, it's, it's the day before. I just checked. Let us take a break. Listening to Radio Parallax, I'm Douglas Everett. We'll be back in a moment with Christina Borgeson, uh, one of our favorites. (laughs) 